Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst, infant toddler developmental specialist, and parent coach. Today, I am excited to have Miss Morgan Riza back again. <laughs> Morgan helps parents homeschool, unschool, you know, slash unschool their children <laughs> to build lasting relationships create shared memories and customize their child's education, which is her mission. Uh, she has 12 years of experience homeschooling and unschooling. She has a master's degree in education, plus teaching in public schools and virtually for more than 13 years. And she's a public author, a published <laughs> author. Oh, goodness. <laughs> A public author. <laughs> so Morgan was with us before. And today I want to just, because we didn't touch on her book the last time. So I want to talk a little bit more about her book. Well, a little we didn't talk about, so how could it be more if we didn't talk at all about the book, right? <laughs> so anyway, I have a new tongue today. So yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So Morgan, tell us about your book. What's it called and why did you write it? Well, thank you for having me. Um, it is called Curious Journey to Homeschooling. And what it just came about because I had so many different parents just asking how we came, a, came to homeschooling. As a public school teacher, it's a little, they're a little intrigued by that. <laughs> Um, especially when they found out that not only did I homeschool, but I unschool, which means we just let our interests lead our learning for the most part. So that was even more intriguing because the public school and all my education in the education field. Um, so I just wrote it to give everyone the opportunity to understand and see how I approached homeschooling from my teaching background and in my home. Gotcha. And which is really important because there's so many, there's a lot out there, so much information out there about homeschooling and, you know, so how do parents navigate these waters? Yes. And I think there's so much coming out of homeschooling that has become now big business mm -hmm. as far as these curriculum companies are looking, oh, now we have a large homeschooling population to market to. So the parents can even feel a whole ton of pressure to get all the things for their kids to provide in their home because that's what they would have in school when you get to provide a super rich environment with less curriculum, possibly. Wow. I'm not saying you wouldn't have to have something, mm -hmm. but you don't have to fill your day with workbooks. Well, and I think that, because for me, that was probably something I envisioned. It's like, oh gosh, all the workbooks, all the things that have to be done. And mm -hmm. I... You know, unlike my friend who homeschooled like her eight children, I didn't, I thought of homeschooling my two, but then hmm. I was scared because of all the things that went with it. And um, so now you're saying this, which kind of takes the pressure off, <laughs> kind of late for me. <laughs> <laughs> 
but, you know, share a little bit more with parents about how they can. And, you know, what does your book, how does your book help them? So in the book, I go through the different qualities you need as a homeschooling mom. And so each chapter is just titled those things. So being genuine, bravery, love, thoroughness, serenity, curiosity, responsiveness, imagination, flexibility, open-mindedness, motivation, contentment, and then even a little bit of selfishness, which I can go into. Mm -hmm. Um, so people would always say, oh my gosh, you homeschool, that's so selfless, like, so like kind of you to do it. And I'm like, actually guys, it's the selfish part of me that does this because guess what I get to do? Create my own schedule. I have the freedom to decide when we wake up, what we do with our day, you know, what field trips we go on and how we just get to live life because I have the freedom to do that. So it's a little bit selfish in that aspect. Um, nice. So I just go through those different qualities and just kind of flesh them out and what it looks like in your home when you're homeschooling. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought selfishness was, you know, would be one of the, um, I don't know, tenets of homeschooling, but I get how you, you know, after you explained it. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I wouldn't say you have to be selfish about all things, right. but just like a little bit. Yes. I want this time with my kids. I don't want to give it up. So, you know, um, and, and usually when you do that, you have to have your partner, your co-parent, and y'all have to be on the same page with that. And that's not to say working moms can't do it. I have a ton of working mom friends that do homeschool their kids. Um, but you you have to structure your household to do so. And what does that look like? Because that's something I never imagined, a working mom homeschooling. What does that look like? Well, right now, that looks like different ways. So, of course, mom could be working from home and have a virtual position. Mm -hmm. So she's spending her time and scheduling it accordingly to what they need and getting her work in. But if she's working outside the house and she can manage her hours, there's lots of programs that are called hybrid and they're a homeschool program where your kid goes to school, the program, um, a couple days a week. So sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's four. And then they are home the other days and you work with them there. Oh. So lots of options. Wow, that is super interesting. And then other parents even work together. So if you have two working moms that are close mm -hmm. and can share that, like their kids come together at this house and they work on these days and then they go to the other mom's house on these days and they work together. So they just can parent. Of course, of course, you have to look at your homeschooling laws for your state. Right. Um, in Idaho, we have a lot of freedom to do what needs to be done. Wow, that's amazing, you know, that you can share the load. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And, and it really helps. Yeah. Yeah, because you also have to see it creating a community at the same time. Yes, community is huge. Um we have a large homeschool community here and 
lots of different support groups and ways that moms can connect and their kids can connect to. But that's super important, even if you just find it online, because you need that support. You need to know you're not the only one crying over the math pages along with your kids. So. I'd be crying. Yeah, the math pages would definitely make me cry. <laughs> yes. It well, it gets it gets to all of us for sure. Gotcha. Now you mentioned curiosity as one of the things, one of the traits that a homeschooling parent needs to have in house though. So I like to approach the kids in your home and with a bit of curiosity. So you're gonna study your kids and learn all about them because these are the kids that you have, maybe not the kids you envisioned or you wanted to produce, they are the kids that you were given. So I really tell parents, be curious about things that they're learning and that they're interested in. You know, lots of parents get upset about gaming, you know, sit down next to them, find out why it's so intriguing. It has to be something. (laughs) So maybe it's the storyline, maybe it's the action, maybe it's the independence, you know, and when you take the time as the parent to sit next to them, and have that curiosity, just really the openness. So no agenda, no hidden questions, just, hey, tell me about this. They really start to open up and feel valued just like anyone would. And it it makes for a connected relationship and connected relationships are the whole basis of homeschooling. Wow. Yes. Cause you did talk about being connected. And I think that is so important and you get that extra time to connect with your children. Um, cause dare I say, sometimes I find in the, cause I work in the public school system that sometimes the teachers may know more about a child than the parent. And to me, that's really, I get it. Cause parents work again, there's no judgment here, but it is, concerning, especially when, you know, the teacher tries to share, well, this is, and like, well, no, (laughs) you know, there's that. So did you find that though, when you, I know we're going way off a little bit, but did you find that when you were in the public school system? Yes. Yes. Sometimes I would know things about the kids, like, especially if they had made like a connection with me and, you know, like a good having a good public school teacher can make a whole year fantastic. Just like having an unconnected one can damage the year. So, you know, no judgment. And some kids click with other teachers better, but yes. And for the most part, I remember parents being open to it because they knew I spent a lot of time with their kids Mm -hmm. and I valued them. So it, but it is still a hard situation. And when we made the move, which brought up homeschooling for me, I just wasn't willing to turn my kids over to a stranger. Right. (laughs) Totally understand. And, you know, I brought that up to say, you know, parents don't feel badly about it because it's great that the child connected with the teacher and they can help. They can, you know, partner with your teacher. If you can't be that homeschooling parent, then partner with your teacher to you know, for your child's betterment, for your child to, to um, increase that progress, to make it a better experience for your child. Certainly, certainly. Those parents that came in and shared things about their kids that would help me 
And I was able to share with them that was a game changer for those kids that year. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. So yeah. just again, I, and I also wanted to say that because I don't want parents to feel guilty no. about not homeschooling or, um, you know, even their child. Cause I know I actually was in a Facebook group the other day and a parent mentioned that her child was more connected to somebody who was living with them, but mom was working you know, she was working all day. This person was home. I mean, that changes the dynamic. And I say, just be grateful that your child is connected with somebody, somebody who's safe and loving and, um, yeah, will help. And loves them. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, and I mean, yes, do not feel guilty. Um, no one, what I like to tell people when they're like, oh, I could never do that. I'm not homeschooling at you. I'm doing this for my own kids. I'm not doing this to shame you or anything. I'm just doing this because this was the best option for my kids. And I want to share how how it can be done if you choose to do it. But mm-hmm. it's your choice, of course. Yes. And it's great that your book prepares parents. You know, it's something that they can look at and say, okay, I need to be this. And, you know, give them all the the um traits that they need to help so then they can determine is this for me yes and in each trait what I do is I walk through what that looks like as they approach their kids so like what that can be just like the curiosity sitting with the kid just like the bravery would be like doing something not everyone else is doing that's really hard because then you sit down and your family's like why are you choosing to do this this isn't what we thought you were going to do even though they're not their kids but yes you know you have to have that like I'm doing it (laughs) bravery to step out Absolutely. And I think too, it teaches children that it's okay to step out and do new things and scary things because then that's how we grow. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. I see that in my kids for sure. Them just being homeschooled, you know, that had, that was a little bit different, especially since we started in 2011 officially. And, um, you know, being the only kid on the, on the team that was homeschooled and having to answer all those questions uh, and, you know, that, that kids have, cause they're like, what do you do? Like, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, are you really learning anything? <laughs> yes. So you just hang out with your mom all day and do worksheets. <laughs> That's exactly. what I got a lot. And he was like, no. <laughs> Valid question. <laughs> Yes. I was like, they don't know, you know, and every homeschool looks a little different. So even if they had cousins, maybe that's what they look like and it's okay. So just giving them the words to speak up and say, no, this is what we do, or this is how my day is. Very cool. Now, did you happen to mention being organized as one of the traits? I did not. I did not. And people think you have to be super organized. And I am kind of that type A organized person, but my kids made me be more that type B planner because they never liked my plan. So if I had a schedule or an idea and this is the way we're going to start doing everything, they were not always on board. And I'm sure I talk about it, but like coming together to reach the goal and how do we want to reach it? 
but um, I think you could do it from a unorganized approach as long as you're setting the goal and you know where you're headed. Got you. Because I thought maybe I missed it. I was like, I, <laughs> I think it's one of the things that I was look, listening for <laughs> and I didn't hear. And I was just like, but you need to be organized, don't you? You know? Well, I think some of our better days flowed when maybe I didn't have that organized agenda. And maybe we didn't have all the things to do the science experiment and we had to go to the store and get them. You know, it just was okay. And they learned from that or we substituted something and they learned from that, but they had to be organized on their own now with their things. So they're learning that as well. So I didn't always stay on top of it and do it for them. Because I think if you tend to be super organized, then you want it so organized that you do it for the other people in your house, whether you're homeschooling or not. <laughs> yes. So true. And that does them a disservice, I think. Yes. So they have to learn those executive functioning skills. That's what we call it in our house of planning and the communication and having the things ready for yourself or letting someone know if you need help getting the things. Wow. And it's so cool when things happen that are unexpected because children need to understand that things in life will happen that are unexpected. So it really prepares them for that. Yes. So I have one child that struggles with this still, even though like, you know, it happens, but she likes the plan and she likes it to stay to the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and when it deviates from the plan, she gets frustrated, but I'm like, sometimes it works out for the better. And, you know, it just, you need to be able to adjust because no matter what you do, this is going to happen. So. Absolutely. And having the flexibility to teach those skills is really important. And because I'm thinking actually of this little girl, I went to a school yesterday and they were playing a game and she did not come first, which led to a lot of crying and, you know, or this other little guy who, if he's not first in line at school, it's an all out tantrum. And we have to teach those skills to say, listen, because in life, we're not always going to be first. So, and sometimes it's not possible because of the schedule, because of all the other things that are going on and because there's so many other students in the class and, you know, just all these different things. And you try to use social stories and, you know, just, but every child learns differently. Yes. And navigating how every child learns in a large classroom can be challenging. Extremely. So from the teaching perspective, um, how I approach, and like I said, I go through it through the book, but how I approached it with my kids would be my dream in a classroom, like to be able to see what your interests are, how you learn best, and then accommodate just to that would be a teacher's dream. But we have state testing, we have, um, you know, over 20 kids, it's, and we only have a limited amount of time. Plus, there's I know when I was teaching in Texas, there was requirements for subjects, how much minutes were spent each day or week. Mm -hmm. So that's another challenge um, that you don't 
have to face if you're homeschooling. So. Right. Yes. Like the 90 minutes uninterrupted academic yes. instruction, which I'm like, I can't sit for 90 minutes. No. And we expect, you know, these children in kindergarten and grade one and to sit for 90 minutes. And I, I don't, it's, it makes it challenging for teachers who just want to teach. Yes. Yes. Like teachers who just want to teach this approach would be fantastic. Um, and I think that's why it was an easy transition for me to come home with them. I mean, I won't say it was all rainbows and unicorns for sure. No, but it was, oh, I can see the value in this and I can see the learning happening and we don't have to spend 60 minutes on math a day. <laughs> yeah. Cause some, if you can just teach one concept and then they'll build on that, you know, children are so amazing and, when we create that environment can be so resilient. And if we, again, create that environment, so they'll get it, you know, they'll yes. see how things scaffold, they'll see how they build on each other. And it's just amazing. And speaking of math, like that was one of the big things I wanted my kids to approach math in a living, understanding way. So not just I can do this problem on the workbook page. So, and that's what's fantastic about being in a home. You can go out, measure things. You can bake whatever you want. You can, um, I mean, we, we played so many math games. And when they're playing, they're engaged in the math concepts and they want to get it right because of course they want to win. Right. <laughs> so- like it just happens naturally. You don't have to incentivize to understand the concept. It just happens and it's fun and it takes way less time because they're engaged and they're enjoying their life. Awesome. And, you know, I keep thinking about how you said you taught your son algebra because he likes welding and you related that yes. to welding. I mean, which is incredible. Yes. And I mean, he has no problem um, solving difficult word problems, difficult hands-on measurement problems. And the other thing he was so fantastic at when he was a kid, like he's just, his mind worked this way. He could do mental math really well. Now I know as a teacher, they would never let that fly. Yeah. You have to show every piece of your work every time, but I'm sitting with him and I'm like, I'm like, okay, you think you're faster than me. I'm going to do it on the paper. And you and he just, every time, get it that faster than me and the right answer. And I was like, well, just walk me through what you're doing in your head. Just, just walk me through it one time. Mm -hmm. And he did. And I was like, okay, then, then we can move on. I ended up getting him a book called like Mental Math Tricks. He had so much fun playing with that. Wow. And and engaging in math when, I mean, another approach would have been like, no, you have to show all your work, do every problem. And, and he would have hated it. Yep. And that happens in the schools. I, you know, work with this little guy and at three, he was doing math, like in his head, he was doing mental math. And one day he answered a question and the teacher was like, well, I need to see your work because, but I gave you the right answer, but I need to see your work. And of course it's frustrating him because he's also on the spectrum. And it was very frustrating because he could not 
understand the reason for her wanting or him, you know, for the teacher wanting to see the work. He just knew he got it right. Yeah. And that was, and I think that's what should matter. Right. If they consistently get it right and they're they're obviously doing it in their head correctly, then why do they have to show they and and I get the teacher's argument they have to show because we need to know that they learned the concept and we're looking at this many kids. You know, they're not able to sit next to this one for 15 minutes and be like, okay, show me what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So but I don't even know if he could explain what he was doing. He just knew the answer. Like it just came to him somehow and he was consistently right. So I think just look at that instead of, you know, um, yeah. And I mean, he started because this was in kindergarten. He was answering all these questions and he started doing all this stuff when he was very young, you know, at three years old, I think I started with him and he was able to, you know, he taught me math. You know, <laughs> so, so instead of latching onto that and saying, oh, my gosh, you have such a talent for numbers and really understand number concepts at such a young age. Let's just move forward and see when you need to start using the paper, see when we need to start having some other things to help you. Right. See, and I think that takes out of the box thinking. And I don't know that teachers are allowed to think out of the box because they have to show work samples, you know. Yes. So, yes. And in so many states, we're teaching to a test and, and I know they don't want to, that's no, no judgment on them. That's the state exactly. um, powers that be that decided. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder, did they talk to any teachers when they made those decisions? Because none, none of the teachers I speak to are thrilled about this because it's not true learning. If you're just teaching a child to pass a test, how are you teaching them to navigate life? How is that helping them na navigate life? You no. Know? No, not at all. And it's, and it's a huge stress for everyone in the building. Yes. And it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know that they need the data mm -hmm. and that's what they come back to the um, legislators that decide this, they need the data, but I just wish there was another way we could get that instead yeah. of testing everyone and having just this high stakes feel to it. Right. And the children are nervous They're, You know, it's just stressful. I mean, yesterday I walked, I was about to walk into a class, but I could not because there was the sign on the door, state testing, you know, do not disturb. And I thought, okay. <laughs> so I peeked through and everybody appeared to be sitting and, you know, these are um, second and third graders. Mm -hmm. And they were all sitting doing their little tests and I just thought, wow, because we didn't have that much testing when we were, when we went. No. And I mean, sure, as you get to high school, you have finals and you have exams. I yeah. get that then. But testing these young kids that are, you know, as you start to learn to read and do basic math, that those ages when that starts clicking for those kids is really vast. They try to keep it way down here in the kindergarten, first grade, but it really developmentally it's really vast yes yes and it's interesting I spoke to somebody who does the um uh Dr. Catherine Reed and she homeschooled using the Waldorf curriculum where they did a lot of uh fairy tales and you know there's the music and the art and everything's done in a certain way which I thought oh. was super interesting yes yes and fairy tales are so important and fun for kids to engage in and understand 
and just that whole pretend life. And I don't know that they get as much of that as they should when they're in the public school, as much in-depth, real literature, real story. Not in any class I've observed that <laughs> I see this. I mean, again, it's no judgment because they're doing what they are asked to do. But I was in a classroom of kindergartners and it was just, you know, think concept after concept after concept after concept. And I was in the chair like this. I'm like, okay, it's really uncomfortable. So I'm like wiggling in the chair and trying to find a comfortable spot and trying to stay awake. And I thought, and again, the teacher was doing her best. She was super sweet and fun. However, after sitting for an hour or two, it becomes, I mean, no matter how interested a to interesting a topic is, I may doze off because I've been sitting for too long, you know? And I think of these babies and because of their schedule, their recess wasn't until, their one recess that they get per day wasn't until later. And I thought, well, when I was going to school, we had a morning recess, an afternoon recess and a lunch recess. Oh, wow. And that was great, you know? Yeah, yeah impede our learning I think it helped because we got to get up go in the fresh air and you know recharge and but today these babies get one recess per day and I thought oh my well I call that like a brain break and I encourage parents to do that too like when you're studying something hard difficult you know you're working at it they're working at it at their at a desk you know sitting on the floor whatever you have to occasionally get up, walk around your block, run around, jump on the trampoline and just get those juices flowing again. Otherwise, frustration settles in, the boredom, the whining, the complaining, everybody feels it. And when you change, get out, get some fresh air. Even if the weather's bad, you play a game of twister inside, just something to move your body and, and engage your brain in a different way always encourage that so that's so nice that you had so many recesses but so tough for those kids to sit it is it is and some of them you could tell you know they would stand they would this and that and when they stood you know it was like sitting I was like no let the baby stand he's not <laughs> engaging in any challenging behavior he's just standing it's not hurting anybody please let him stand because if you don't then you might be chasing him around the room or whatever and you can't blame him he's in kindergarten Right. Um, the other thing that we did in our home that made me think of this, as you're telling that, we did a ton of read alouds. I can't tell you how many books I have in boxes from our last move. My husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, these are memories. I can't let go of them. So <laughs> we did so many read alouds. And I did not expect my children to sit around me and just listen to me read. I, I was like, you can color, you can draw, you can do any sort of craft, paracord, knitting, crocheting, all the different things, um, Play-Doh, Legos, whatever to keep your hands moving. My kids would spend hours listening and people are like, well, how do you know that they're listening and engaging in the story? Because they would stop me and ask thought-provoking questions. Wow. Or they would say, oh, I know what's going to happen. Oh, what do you think is going to happen? You know, and and they would have something super insightful. And I'd be like, well, let's see. And we would continue reading. I mean, so many times I would lose my voice just reading. 
and they both love story. So they love listening to audiobooks, they love reading, and they really get it. Do you understand? Like they get the characterization, they get the plot, and we didn't have to do worksheets or drill that into them. All we had was discussion. Yes, that's amazing. And it's funny because just last week I was talking to a teacher in a class. She teaches children who are on the spectrum and she shared that she read the book. um, She read The Diary of Anne Frank and one of the students, I mean, she was riveted. And this is the student that engages in the most problem behaviors in that class. I mean, almost daily. Yesterday, we had a pretty decent day, taking a couple of hiccups, but you know, usually, but she was riveted and she, the teacher was like, oh my gosh, I know how to reach her now. And it was with this read aloud that she was engaged in. And she actually asked a question about this. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, it's just amazing. Because every child, I my belief is every child can be taught. We just have to find what they're interested in enough and teach them around that. And that spoke to it because this baby was, she didn't talk much until recently. They never saw her smile. They never, you know, like she was always just very stoic and she's been smiling more, more engaged. And it's just incredible how far she's come in a short amount of time. Yeah, so reaching them. And I and I think most kids are looking for that. They're looking for that story they can relate to or be curious about. So yes, that's fantastic. Yes, it is. It is. And, you know, it's just, again, teaching children is a beautiful thing, but really teaching them, not going through the motions. And again, with all this testing that breaks, you know, makes it's saddening um, because it's not really teaching them. But if a parent cannot truly homeschool, what can they do at home after school or maybe on the weekends to help their child? Um, So all the things that I talk about in my book, you could do with your kids. There is no, in this homeschooling approach, there is no like, oh, do this set curriculum, spend this many hours with math or this much time here. Um, It's just the way you approach learning in your house, basically. And you could do those things for sure after school and on the weekends and just make it a learning rich environment, which does not mean you have to put up the posters with the information. (laughs) It, It just means that you're engaged and learning alongside them. And you're letting their interest and their passions just kind of guide them. You don't have to give all into it, but you're really providing time, energy, and the tools, the space to pursue those things. Awesome. Well, Miss Morgan, it has been awesome having you here again. And if there's one thing you want parents to leave this moment with, what would that be? One thing I would say is try to connect with your child today on something they are interested in. Perfect. And tell us again the name of your book and where we can get it. It is called Curious Journey to Homeschooling, and it is on Amazon. Awesome. Thank you. And how can people get a hold of you? And so I just started a 
homeschooling coaching business. And I have a website called guidance, the number two homeschooling.com. And you can message me there or reach out on the website, basically. Wonderful. Thank you again, ma'am. It's been fun. And I just want to thank our listeners for listening on Spotify and wherever they listen to their favorite podcasts. And we'll see you again soon. Parent with confidence.